Today we're going to continue on in our series called uh, Parental Guidance. And uh, this week we're talking about what we should be doing according to Scripture. And um, next week we're going we're gonna to kind of end the series uh, with a sermon called You Tweeted What? And we're going to talk about social media and technology and pitfalls and what we can do practically uh, as parents uh, to come alongside our kids. It's probably going to be one of the most practical sermons you're ever going to hear. We're going to get, uh, arm you and equip you with resources and uh, really just kind of open up a door. Again, it will be the service that your teenage kids will hate. I'm just going to tell you right now. So we're going to teach, we're going to show you how you can keep up on everything they're doing and what's going on. But that's all part of good godly parenting. And the parents said, amen. Oh, yes, there we go. But today, if you have your Bibles, turn me to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, I'm going to get to that. I think the most famous verse on parenting. And even if you're here today and you're not a parent, they're the things I'm going to give you are really commands of how we should live life. And then also according to Scripture. And then also things that we should teach our children. And if you're in any kind of a educator role, these are values that I think transmit and even go beyond just just, just the church or a spiritual side of things, but actually are just things that we want to live out in our own lives, and we also want to uh, uh, pass on to those that we're maybe mentoring or coaching or leading. But Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says this, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you've read or heard anything on parenting in the Bible, this is like the the verse. Every time we do a baby dedication, we, we give this verse. Because this is a command to us as parents. And, and I think everybody in this room and everybody at our campuses, everybody understands, hey, this is a responsibility that we have. So how do I do it? And again, I was raised in church where we told you what you should do, but we never told you how to do it. And so one of the things we try to do is let's talk about how we do this. How do you train up a child in the way that he should go or the way that she should go, that when they're old, they don't depart from it? Well, Proverbs goes on. Proverbs is an incredible book. And I encourage you, uh, even in your daily Bible reading, you can read one chapter of Proverbs every single day. And you can do this on a regular, there's 31 Proverbs. And so you can do this every single month. And it's just great nuggets of wisdom. But Proverbs gives seven different declarative statements, seven different directives that we should be living and that we should be teaching our kids, seven ways that we should train our kids. So what I'm going to do today for the sake of time, because I could do seven messages, and I won't, but, I, but I, for the sake of time, I'm going to give you these, and I'm gonna, you can kind of marinate on it, process on it, and kind of go from there. But the first one is to train them to manage God's money. According to Scripture, we are, as godly parents, to train our kids to manage God's money, to manage the resources that God's given us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to give you references on each one of these. Honor the Lord with, the, with your possessions, with the first fruits of your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, I want to reference a series that I did earlier this year called Balanced. And because I did that series, you can go to lifechurchwi.com. You can download any of those messages for free. You can also go to the Life Church app and watch any of those messages at any time. I give a lot of time and attention to that. I don't want to give a ton of, of that today. But let me say this. We as parents, according to this passage, are to show our kids how we give. We should show them how to save. We should show them how to spend. We should show them and lead them and train them on 
What does it mean to give to God? What does it mean to bring first fruits? What does it mean to honor God? Because that passage says that if you do that, you'll be blessed. Well, we want our kids to be blessed. We want their finances to be blessed. We want them to one time leave our house. Amen? Praise God. And so we want them to get off our payroll. So this is how they do it. But not just that. How do you save? I tell my daughters all the time, if you will take 10% of everything you earn and you will, you will pay yourself after you honor God, you will never need or want for anything because you will own it. You won't be a debtor or a lender to anyone. That's something that we teach and we train our kids in. And then how to spend. You need to talk to them about budgeting. Talk to them about those things. Again, I would refer to you to the balance series. The, the, the second statement or directive that we're told is to train them to carefully select friends. To train them to carefully select friends. These are relationships. These are the kids that they run with. And I understand our kids are grouped in classroom settings. They're grouped in sports teams. They're grouped in extracurricular activities. That They don't really have a control uh, or you don't have a control of who's in that group. But they do have a choice of who they run with within that group. They do have a choice of who they select as a friend within that group. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will be destroyed. If you walk with wise people, you'll be wise. If you walk with fools, you'll be a fool. We know that we should pay attention to our relationships. We know that our kids, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But we should teach them, how do you select friends? Mom, Dad, how do you select relationships? How do you select friendships? How do you select people? Who do you know who to confide in? Who do you know who to trust? How do you do that? How do you, at certain times when friendships or relationships began to go south, how do you create healthy distances? How do you deal with people? Again, this is a whole other message for a whole other day, but that's part of the responsibility that we are given by God to be able to teach and to train our children how to choose healthy God-honoring relationships. The next is to train them to watch their words. Train them to watch their words. I told you I was going to be quick, didn't I? Some of you are like, oh my goodness, i got a cramp right now in my hand. You're going so fast. Train them to watch their words. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24 says, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. The best way for you to train your kids in speech is for you to model it. Because what you say, they're going to say. I'll never forget, I'm driving down the car, uh, down the road in my car, and Ava, my youngest, was in the car seat behind me so I could see her in the rearview mirror. And Ava's never at a loss for words, although she did have a trouble speaking when she was little. Uh, she had this cute little um, lisp, if you would. And, and she's very animated and drama-filled. And so we were going down the road, and, and I'm just going, I'm driving, I'm not really, I'm just kind of going from point A to point B. And all of a sudden, the sippy cup just flies across the back of the car. I mean, she's just, she's in this huge full harness, you know, like the kids, the kids' seat, and she's just a toddler. And, and she's, she throws her hands up in the air, and she just shakes her little head, and she goes, these people are driving me nuts. <laughs> And I look in the rearview mirror and I can see her and I go, you've been with your mother way too much. Because that's what her mom would say. Hey, she says things that I've said, but that's when Tammy gets to talk, right? But is that not true? How we act and how we respond and what we say, they're going to emulate. 
So if we want them to emulate good things, we need to say good things. And not just protect what they hear, because truly this kind of stuff is not just taught. It, it's caught. Uh, next is to train them to be responsible. Train them to be responsible. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, 7, and 8 says this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. You like how the Bible is just really direct? Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. We talked about this in week one. Godly parenting, the goal of godly parenting is to transfer the dependence that your child has on you onto God. That they don't just depend upon you, but they learn how to depend upon Jesus. This is teaching them responsibility. It may begin with things. Hey, if you break something, you buy it, right? If, if, you, if you abuse something, then you're not going to get any more of it. If you just leave your clothes wadded up in the corner, great then you're going to wear dirty clothes one day and you won't do that again. Whatever it may be, or some of your kids go, hey, that's fine with me. That was my younger brother. But anyhow, but you teach them and it begins with things. And then it moves into actions, what they do and how they act and respond to one another. And then it really goes back into uh, attitudes to kind of the root issue of why would you do this? And how do you act this? We're to teach them responsibility. You don't just let them run wild. You don't just let them do what they want to do. And I could camp on this for a long time. It's amazing to me what some parents will let their children do in public. And I say this because, you know, 30 years ago, preachers didn't preach on these subjects. Why? Because most people had a pretty good idea of what it meant to, to do this. To, to, they read the Bible and they, they listened and they, they did this. And today we live in a world in which it's so... Uh, basically post-Christian, that we don't even go back to some of these basic values and principles, which history is cyclical, and this is all part of a pattern, and I don't have time to go into that, but the reality is, is that it becomes incumbent upon me as a minister or as a leader, and, and you as a Christ follower, to not just live this out, but to teach and to train, and, and to do that and, and with our kids so that they continue to do that to the next generation, next generation, and so forth and so on. And, and, but, but part of this is we have a responsibility to train our children to be responsible, to be good stewards of the things that God's blessed them with, to be good stewards with their actions, to be good stewards with their attitudes, and to call them on it, to call them on it. Yeah, but they have a meltdown in the middle of coals. Leave them there. I promise you they will get up and run after you. And if they don't, God bless you. Just leave them there. <laughs> Leave a little tag with the name and number, and you'll come pick them up later. I'm just teasing. But you understand? I mean, it's just teaching and training them to be responsible, to take responsibility for their actions, to not allow it to blame it, even on a teacher. Because as you get older, well, it's a teacher's fault or it's a coach's fault. No, it's not. It's your fault. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And if you want your kids to be leaders, you have to teach them how to take responsibility. You didn't set your alarm. You didn't get there. You didn't do what you were told to do. Now, you need to go and, and apologize. I'll never forget with, 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 with one of our daughters. I can't remember which one, so I won't give credit uh, to, to this one. But, but they had done something in class, and this was in early elementary, and had lied to the teacher. And we made them write a small letter of apology to the teacher and take it to the teacher. And Tammy, at the end of the day, 
Because we're making them be responsible for their actions. At the end of the day, showed up after class to make sure that that had happened and again apologized. And the teacher had been teaching for over 20 years. And she said, in 20 years, I've never had a parent make their child apologize to me. And I was like, that's our problem. It's not the coach. It's not the teacher. It's not the youth pastor. It's your kid. It's my kids. And let's just be honest. It was me when I was 13, right? Mom, I can't believe this person. They're just being unreasonable. No, it was me. And so and my dad had a philosophy that he would whip me, and, and that way he'd make sure he got me or whoever was wrong in the process. But, but I'm just saying we need to teach them responsibility. Train them next to guard their hearts. Train them to guard their hearts. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I love this verse. Above all else, the Bible says, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. The King James Version says, from out of it flows the issues of life. Guard your heart. We need to train them how to guard their heart. Now, this begins when they're little with behavior modification, right? Don't hit your sister. You know, don't call your brother names. But he did it. I'm not touching you. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. You know, it's that kind of stuff, right? Right? So we, we, we do, but if all we're trying to do is, be, is change their behavior, we're not teaching them the root of where's this anger coming from or where's this hostility coming from. And, and everybody deals with it, right? It, it's, not that it's, it's, it's not that it's unnatural. It's very natural. Uh, but it's something that we need to teach and to train them. Why? Why don't I respond in anger? Why don't I just lash out verbally? Why don't I do this or that? Why should I cause restraint in my life? What value is self-control? Remember, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit of God. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. That is a benefit of, being, of living life in the Spirit as a Christ follower, that we should have self-control. How do our kids learn self-control? They don't come in this world with it, neither did you or I. They're taught it. We have responsibility to teach it. And so we teach them the why, not the what. We're real good at parents at teaching them what? Don't do this, don't do this, don't say this, don't say this. But do you explain to them why we don't say this? Why we don't do this? Why we don't go there? Why we don't watch that? Why we don't listen to that? Why? If you're only teaching them the what, they lose it. Teach them the why. And th this is true in life. If you're in any kind of an upwardly mobile leadership position and you're going to have interface with high-capacity leaders and you're going to talk to them and ask them questions and try to learn and grow, if you are just asking them what questions, it doesn't help you. When you ask them why questions, that's transformative. Because what questions? What do you do? What do you eat for breakfast? What, what, where did you go to school? What, what do you teach your staff? What, what, do, what ways do you learn? What, what are you reading? Those are great questions, but that doesn't tell me why they do what they do. If I know why they do what they do, I can do what they do. So why are you reading that? Why do you keep the schedule? Why is this important to you? Why is this value here? I've read this about you. What, why is it that you do this? Because the why is always more important than the what. Because the why is a heart issue. The why is the issues of life. And so whether I'm leading a Fortune 500 company, whether I'm trying to start a business, whether I want to be successful in life, successful in parenting, or whether I just want to honor God with my life, it boils down to the whys, not just the what. And Proverbs says we should teach them to guard this and to understand those whys of life. The next thing is to train them to be generous. Train them to be generous. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. 
And I've talked a lot about generosity in the balance series. But let me say this. Generosity is not about money. Generosity is about an attitude of life. Do you ever meet, have you ever met a generous person that was grumpy? Have you ever met a generous person that was sour? Have you ever met a generous person that was just, just kind of down on everybody and pessimistic? No. Generous people tend to be very optimistic. Generous people tend to be very positive. Generous people tend to, to if they fail just like the rest of us, but they tend to get up. Why would I want to teach my child to be generous? Because I want them to be optimistic. Because I know this world's going to try to beat them down. Because I know everything around them is going to try to shrink them like a, fair, a pair of Levi 501 blue jeans. Shrink to fit, baby. They're going to try to pull them down. And, and, and so the spirit of this world is stingy. It's, 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 it's me. It's selfish. But the spirit of God, the spirit of, 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 of Jesus is this heart of generosity to love people, to serve people, to have a good attitude. You're going to get along way better in life with a smile on your face than you are with a frown. Generous people smile. They don't frown. I'm just telling you. They have bad days. But this is something that we want to teach our kids. It's not about a dollar amount. It's about an attitude. And the last thing we want to teach our children is to train them to fear God. Train them to fear God. And by fear God, I don't mean like to quake and to shake. I mean like to have a healthy respect. As a child does for their parents, that they honor God in that way. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. I mean, I believe all truth is God's truth. Which means if it's true, laws of physics, God spoke that into existence. And, uh, and that doesn't violate scripture. It's truth. It just, it, it's reality. It's not my interpretation of reality. It's reality. Every time, any place in the world, it's true. And the fear of God, if I truly believe that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, then I will teach my children and I'll train them how to respect and love the things of God. How do you do that? But when they're toddlers, you take the Bible. It's what we do with all the kids and, 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 and the pre-K classes today. We'll take a Bible and we'll kiss it. And we'll, we love Jesus. We love his word. Why do we love the word? Well, because John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And the word was made flesh, Jesus Christ. And so we love the word of God. As they get older, we'll teach them how to sing some songs. We teach them songs like, Yes, Jesus loves me. And oh, how I love Jesus. Why do we do that? Because we want to teach them how to have a relationship, a healthy relationship between themselves and God the Father. As they get older and they get into elementary, we'll, we'll begin to continue to train them and, 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 to, and to encourage them in scripture memorization and, and, and really begin to challenge some of their thoughts and their thinking. When they get into junior high and high school, they'll start making choices about friendships and, and media and life and what they're doing. And, and again, those are all expressions from that relationship that we have trained them from a young age to how to fear the Lord. We don't use God's name in vain. I tell my girls all the time, you have friends from school, friends from wherever, and they come to the house. The first time I hear, oh, my God, out of their mouth, I'm going to give that like a get-out-of-jail-free card. The second time I hear it, you're either going to address it or I'm going to come to the basement and I'm going to address it. So many times they go, and some of you go, really, that's a bad thing? You're taking God's name in vain. So we teach and we train. This is the name of God. 
we don't violate that, right? It's part of the commandments. It's part of our attitude. It's part about taking things that are sacred and making them profane, making them, making them uh, 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 downtrodden, that you're just something average. We don't do that. Why? Because that's the God who loves us and who saves us and gave his only son to us. So we esteem him, and we do that verbally. We do that in our actions. And so we make them cognitively think of that. And you go, well, that's just behavior modification, maybe. But at some point, I'm telling you, first couple times, it'd be like, Ava, Anna, yes, sir. And they knew right up the stairs. Hey, do you want me to have the conversation? I'll have a conversation right down the stairs. Da, da, da. Hey, listen, we don't say, OMG, oh, my God, we don't say anything like that in our house. And, you know, and so I'd appreciate if you wouldn't say that. Okay, I'm so sorry. And then that's, that's the end of it. And then the next time, hey, you know, because they, they don't want the old man, the preacher man to come down and go, well, you know, uh, they just don't want that. So we teach them how to reverence that. And they're not rock'em, sock'em robots. As they grow old, they will have a choice. But in my house... As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When they get out and pay their own bills and do their own thing, they can do what they want to do. But right now, we're going to honor God in that way. That's how we teach them those things. And I'm going to go back to this verse that we said at the very beginning. When you train up a child in the way that he should go, when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That is a declarative grammatical statement. It's a promise of Scripture that when you teach and you train your children to love, to serve, to honor, it doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean they're not going to be some rocky roads. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. They're not going to be perfect. They're going to go through some ups and downs. But what it does mean is that you can go back to that and say, Lord, you said when they're old, they'll not depart from it, which means the things that you have deposited in them will not return void. Why? Because it's the word of God. And God's word will never come back void. It will never come back empty. It will never come back less than what you deposit. It will grow like compound interest in a bank account. And it will develop in their life. And they've got to figure it out. They've got to walk it out. Let me say this. I'm a pastor. I never, nor will I ever, impose my calling on my children. They chose to be followers of Jesus Christ on their own. Many times we'll have conversations, go, hey, let's talk about what you did. Why is this wrong? And it's never wrong because I'm a pastor. It's never wrong because we are Christians. I don't even use the word Christian in my house. It's, it's wrong because you chose to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You followed him in baptism. You wanted the world to know. Yes, no, yes, sir. So how does that, just trying to connect the dots. And so... But I have a responsibility to lead them in that direction, to train them in that direction, and to teach them in that direction. And so what I want to do is, um, I know this is an overwhelming list. I know there's a lot. But the good news here at Life Church is that we value you and your kids and that family ministry. And so I'm going to invite in just a second Noelle Miller, our director of family focus, not just at the Germantown campus, but for all of our campuses. She oversees all of our preschool directors, all of our elementary directors, all of our middle school directors, and all of our high school directors that we have at, at all of our campuses. She oversees all of that. And uh, she's going to come and join me on the stage. And we're just going to talk about how we partner with you uh, to, to basically raise up godly kids because that's what we want to do. And so before she comes, I want you to see this quick video and then we're going to have a Q&A and then we'll be dismissed. Check this out. 
Hey Life Church, we want to take a moment and let you know a little bit more information about our department here at Life Church. Family Focus is the large umbrella over the ministries that would minister to children infant all the way to 18 years old. It's our goal as a Family Focus department to partner with you as parents in equipping your child to have the best experience possible. We want to make Jesus relevant at each developmental stage that your child may be at. As your infant enters into our early childhood area, they'll be entering into a safe and friendly environment full of what we believe to be the best staff around. As they navigate through early childhood, they'll be taught Jesus in bite-sized pieces that they can understand. We'll begin to invite the wonder of who Jesus is through fun, through activities, and through curriculum, and we believe that they'll be having a great time learning about Jesus. Once your child hits that elementary age where it's all about fun and friends, they will encounter what we call our Connect Zone. It's where our volunteers get to come together and connect with children, learn about more about who they are, and have a good time doing so. Once they leave the Connect Zone, they enter into our Life Kids service, where they experience live worship with fun and energetic songs that they learn more about who Jesus is. The learning doesn't stop there. That's where we begin our teaching on who Jesus is through video curriculum, through small groups, and through interactive services where kids begin to ignite the discovery of who Jesus is in their everyday life. As your student leaves elementary and they enter into that middle school and high school era, they enter into our student life ministries. Student life is for students 6th through 12th grade and is all about capturing the experience of who Jesus is. As your student enters into our Wednesday night experience, they enter into a student band that is lifting up the name of Jesus in a fun and passionate way. After worship, they go into a time where we preach and teach Jesus in a way that is relevant to where they're at in their everyday life. Student life doesn't just stop there. They have small groups that meet on Sunday nights all throughout the Milwaukee area where we teach Jesus in a way that students can understand and apply that experience to their everyday life. So as a family-focused department, it is our goal to partner with parents in making sure that students 0 to 18 years old are radically changing their world for Jesus. So as parents, we look forward to partnering with you and making sure that the generations to come are all that God intends them to be. All right, would you welcome Noel Miller right here? So how is that seeing yourself on that screen like that? It's really awkward. Okay. It's all right. Let's get that out, first of all. Hey, we know that we have a responsibility when we're talking about this in this PG series about teaching and training our kids uh, and, and developing them. How does family focus in a practical way actually do this? Yeah, it's definitely a delicate balance, but statistics will tell us that as a church, we have 40 hours a year with a student, um, and as parents, we have 3,000 hours a year with our students. So let me say this. So at church, we get kids for 40 hours in an entire year, yeah, on average. and parents, they get them for 3,000 hours. Yes, okay. yes, and uh, statistics will say that two-thirds of parents who have children under the age of 18 will attend a religious service once a month. However, the majority of them don't talk about spiritual issues on a regular basis. So as a family-focused department, it's our heart to do the best that we can do with those 40 hours. So make them relevant, make them captivating, really teach Jesus in ways that they can understand. 
but also equip parents to make the best out of those 3,000 hours that they have. Really trying to get that conversation started on an everyday level that, you know, they can talk about with their kids. All right, so tell me practically then, how does Family Focus come alongside us as parents to help us get those conversations started to make the most of that 3,000 hours? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at every one of our weekend services, uh, you we have what's called our Parent Companion Resources. So if you're like me and you're at my stage in life, I have a two-year-old son. So every weekend, he'll come home with what we call our map book. So this is a book that overviews what they've learned um, in the class that weekend, as well as their scripture that they learned, family activities that you can talk about throughout the week um, in, in based on the lesson that they had learned that weekend, as well as more like coloring and whatnot that they can illustrate uh, what they've learned that week as well. So that's for our early childhood area. Now, and then, what, what's a whatnot? You just said it's a whatnot. whatnot. Is that a Georgia uh, thing? It is a Georgia thing, okay. I believe so. I'm just asking. Um, so right. in our elementary age, we have our refrigerator card. So this is what they'll take home uh, once a month, and it overviews the series that they're learning there. But something that's specific to the elementary age is that we really dig into that God time that they have. So how do they find scripture in their Bible? How do they pray? How do they make this a part of their everyday life? And so that's for our elementary. Now, stop just for a second. So, so this, this elementary is helping them take what they're getting in a weekend service. Mm -hmm. So it equips us as parents to know what's being talked about. Right. And then secondarily, how to basically develop a devotional time. Exactly, so, exactly. Trying yeah. to develop all of that. Right, so they, they'll find the scripture, they'll mark it down, they'll highlight it in their Bible, they'll write it or draw it out, so communicate, almost journaling, uh, how that, that applies to them, and then they'll pray about it. And so you as a parent get to walk your elementary child through every one of those levels based on what they've learned. And why is it important weekend? that the parent gets an opportunity to do that instead of just the student, just the kid's pastor? Well, we believe that parents are an essential part of a child's relationship with Jesus. So you are the most important thing uh, in a child's life. And so we think it's important that they're not just hearing from their kids' pastor, but they're also hearing from their families as well at home. So Yeah, because and that, that's something I think is interesting for all of us to think about. Is sometimes we think in terms of theology being dispensed to us or to our kids from someone with a, a degree in theology, i.e. a pastor, a minister, an educated individual. But the reality is the way the Bible does it it really, that teaching and training didn't happen from the priest. It happened from the parent. Yeah, exactly. And so we're trying to empower the parents to take that godly role that God's given them because they actually have, you have more access and more time than what we would have to even download that into their lives. And so that's powerful. Yeah, and then students, we haven't forgot about them either. So in our four-year at all of our campuses, we have what's our Student Life four-year card. So it looks the same on the front every week, but on the back, it changes to the current series that we're in. So It'll have a series overview as well as important dates to remember because I know kids forget dates. Well, what, teenagers forgetting dates? I, it's crazy. It, I happens. Know it, is. it happens. So on the back the of this of card, this gives us the dates, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, so we don't get the whole, hey, I need $300 for camp. <laughs> yes. Does anybody else get that? And I'm the pastor, so if I get it, I know you're getting it. So, exactly. so this is where this can go to. Sermon topics, conversation starters, everything. Everything. It's all on there. So it's just awesome. another great way. Even in, even in dates, it's a great way to get conversations started. So we'll have things like block parties. And so it's a great way to say, you know, that's where we encourage students to invite friends. But as parents, we can sit down and really talk about the why behind inviting people to church and, and whatnot. So there's conversation starters all the way from the sermon topic to the um, to the bottom there. So we're excited. You said whatnot again. I'm sorry. That's good. Whatnot. Fixing will come out in a minute. Okay. Will, so, yeah. 
So anyhow, all right, let's talk about any other resources, books, anything else that Family Focus provides or, or is doing. Yeah, we're really excited about launching a brand new resource that we have available. Um, on April 5th, we'll be launching on a Saturday from 8.30 to 10.30. It's called our Family Fusion this event. This is this card and everybody this has one This is this card, yeah. Everybody. So if you have one, you can pull this out. It, it, Appleton, Germantown, everybody, and just check this out, what Noel's talking about. Yeah, we're going to be talking about fighting for the heart of your child during uh, tough conversations. So we'll have breakouts throughout the day um, that talk about through that two-hour time frame where we'll talk about in our toddlers, what does it mean to build confidence in them and why is that important? Um, for our elementary students, we'll be talking about forming God-honoring friendships and how do we do that on a practical level. And then for our students, we'll be talking about the ever-changing scene of social media. How do we stay in front of it? How do we know what's going on? How do we monitor? or those things that are happening. And what's really cool is that we're partnering with local professionals. So it's not just us as a staff, but it's also doctors from Columbia St. Mary, uh, professionals from Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. And so we're excited to have them come in and share with us on, on these hot topics with our kids. Very so. cool. So this is a free event. Absolutely free. What do they need to do? Do they need to register? Yes. If you're interested in this event, the website there is on the bottom, but you can go to lifechurchwi.com slash fusion. It's a completely free event. It's kid-free, so you have two hours on a Saturday morning without children, so you can kind of take mm -hmm. all of that in um, and do that. So we encourage everybody to, to sign up for that. So. All right. One last question. You've been in this role for about a year now, and I know that you've done... You've, you've done all types of student ministries, you and Kevin, and have been involved and have taken kids around the world and all this kind of stuff. Tell me, what's one thing that you've learned in the last year kind of leading this department and developing all this? Sure. I feel like I've learned a lot, but I think more than just as a family-focused director, but also as a mother, um, I've learned that there is no other position out there, no, no other way, but that as parents, we have the greatest potential to monitor and influence our child's life and their relationship with Jesus Christ. So um, we know that nobody's perfect, and as a family-focused department, we try to serve in that way, that if we genuinely love students and we genuinely love kids, then we love parents as well, because we believe that parents have the greatest potential to influence a child's relationship with Jesus, because after they graduate uh, and they start life and, and things start moving forward, forward. A youth pastor may be there. Uh, a kids pastor may or may not be there. Early childhood director, if she's there, that's awesome, but she may not be there. But as family and as parents, we're always there. And so we have the opportunity at every high moment in our child's life, every low moment, we are always there. And we have the greatest potential to influence their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's been probably the biggest lesson I've learned this past year for sure. So Cool. Awesome. Well, here's how I want to end today. I want you to pray uh, over, over all of us as parents and over all of our campuses and everything that's going on, that God will just continue to help us to be the parents that we need to be. I know that's everybody's desire uh, that we would do that, that we'd raise up godly kids. And, uh, and uh, what, why don't you pray for us, Noel? Absolutely. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your love and for your grace. Lord, I thank you that you entrust us with these precious gifts. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bestow your grace upon us as we learn and we navigate through life, Lord. I pray that we would truly be the parents that you have called us to be. Lord, that we would raise and train this next generation of kingdom builders for you, Lord. God, we thank you for the gift that we have in them and the privilege that we have to do something extraordinary in this generation. And it's in your mighty name I pray. Amen. 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 Would you give Noel a big hand? Thanks, Noel.